Uh, is there anything reason to wait, or should we just go? Let's do it. Welcome, 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 welcome to welcome. the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online for July 2017. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm wait. Jake Rodkin. Oh, I'm Jake Rodkin. <laughs> What's going on? One minute, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, us saying welcome over I, and over again to ourselves. I know. Like, we kept saying welcome, and also Twitch was echoing, <laughs> and also I clapped, so it just became a fucking nightmare. Jesus oh my god. Oh my god. Welcome. All right, are we. We never left. Welcome. And. Welcome to the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online for July 2017. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. Welcome. I'm Jake Rodkin. On this stream and podcast, we will be answering questions put to us by uh, high-tier patrons of our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. Let's just do it. You guys want to just start doing it right let's now? Let's do it. All right, let's ruin it. Tom Grundy asks... What is the most frustrating part of video game development? Shipping. Shipping it? Probably. Yeah, shipping is pretty... I would say there... I mean, I guess for, I would or, say something broader. Or the, or the broader. Like, between nascent phase and actually making the thing, maybe? Yeah. I, I would say that there's like an underlying thing that affects all parts of video game development. And I'm sure this is true for a lot of things, but the ver- I just know the video game version because that's my job. But it's just like the complete... Unknowable. Yeah, there's like just un- because there's no science unknowability behind it. of everything. Yep. Like of just everything. I mean, yep. I know that a lot of creative fields are probably like that. Yeah. But it's it seems like, at least from an outsider's perspective, who has read a lot about film production, it seems like films, for instance, like basically yeah. that's like this is the part where you do this and then you film it and then you have, you know, look at you've got your dailies and you've got your yeah. you, principal filming complete and then you do editing and they know exactly how many people and what roles need to be on each phase of production to the the extent where they can like ramp up and ramp down perfectly now yeah whereas with games it's just like i guess we need more people or i don't know how long it might take but maybe it'll i it always feels like such a guess it always feels like such a just ridiculous speculation yeah the place where i don't think that's as true at this point is when people are basically making franchise yearly sequels yeah like a naughty dog or something yeah yeah, they're closer That seems yeah. that seems correct. I've never worked on one of those, but it seems like it. Yep. It's, I think, yeah, like, w- when I think about movies that feel close to game productions, it's things like Mad Max Fury Road, where I'm like, they actually had to torture the base equipment yeah. and production yeah. models to get the thing out of, like, to get the thing captured into the camera that they want. And that's yeah. what yeah. so many games feel like, where, like, okay, I guess because we designed the system to work this way, we have to make all of the things do a thing they haven't done before. Whereas, you know, yeah, if yeah. you're making Madden or Assassin's Creed or whatever, there's technical uh, iterations. Right, but, right. But the, there's I mean, so many more knowns. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Mad Max is also like a particularly technically ambitious film. Yeah. You don't have to be making a very technically ambitious, ambitious video game for this crap to bite you in the ass constantly. Oh, for sure. I just, I'm th- that, that, I mean, that was kind of why I brought it up as yeah, an example. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's an outlier in film, but. In games, that's just what. It, if you're designing a game, then you're, yeah, d- yeah. D- designing new systems that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my answer. 
Next. Video games. Daniel writes, looking back at your respective careers, what genre of game would you most prefer to explore that you haven't already? Is there any hope of a Nick Brecken CRPG dealing, detailing the life and times of a suspiciously familiar Larry David type protagonist? <laughs> Uh, is there any hope of it? Probably not, but uh, <laughs> sure, that w- sounds good. Would that be a desire of yours? or No. No, yeah, no. I, I wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it would be along the lines of what we've already talked about on this podcast, but like, you know, well, what does that like mean? strategy, sort of like oh, city sure. builder or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. where it's just very like, you know, systems driven and, but you know, yeah, I'm not going to make that game, so. if Yeah, if I were a different kind of video <laughs> game developer, I, I and could make something, yeah. well, I, these are two very different lines, but like either sort of, a, something that is like Spelunky in mm. it's just unbelievable elegance and robustness and sort of just perfect confluence of very specific systems or something if, if I had the you know sort of uh, capacious kind of like design understanding of something like the Anno series you know yeah. some really rich um, management style thing that doesn't involve combat or warfare yeah uh, i mean those games do have warfare in them but if like my dream would be to be able to make a game like that that is just about like the simulation of sort of human creation <laughs> and stuff i just love that shit so much <laughs> but i can't see, i just can't see myself ever making that game i would love to actually work on either a like a a, a cockpit based like a fast paced cockpit based game or mm. a racing game or an extreme sports game basically some oh, game yeah. that's all about fast forward movement and yeah. then sort of lots of little expression totally. inside of that space I love playing games like that I have no idea how to make one and yeah. I also don't think I ever will make one but like yeah. that's a genre of game that I would love to just like wake up and find myself on a team full of a bunch of really specialized people who are making those and then say nice. Jake we need your help <laughs> <laughs> Jake what's, what are your ideas Jake yeah, ideas I wanna, man get over God, here I want to be an ideas guy on that game and then I mean fine I'll make some a part of it I guess yeah 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 um, I, this I, this our answers to this question I feel dovetail very well into the previous question which is that moving from genre to genre in games is just like wow here's just a completely unrelated set of technical and design and aesthetic issues that are literally unrelated to any of the things you make in this other genre yeah like when game. we when we talk to when we talk to Ben Burbank who works with us at Campo Santo uh, about when he used to work on the EA team that makes the Madden NFL yeah. games, it's like, well, that's <laughs> okay. Like literally nothing applies other than like yeah. the user interface And design. he's a programmer, which means yeah. he has the most transferable skills. Yeah. But if you're a designer or something, like, pfft, yeah. Um, I mean, there's principles, I'm sure, that are similar, but a lot the sort of application of them, not so much. Um Stephen Norrie says, when listening to U.S.-based video game podcasts, including Idle Thumbs, the discussion will occasionally cover the 8-bit home computer era, and very often the Apple II will be mentioned as a seminal piece of hardware. As a Brit, I never had any exposure to this system, instead being much more familiar with regional machines such as the BBC Micro and the ZX Spectrum. There was a huge U.K. bedroom coder scene and many memorable games produced, but are any of you over the pond actually familiar with this? And as the world has become smaller and more connected in the decades, have we seen the last of such local scenes? Yes. Probably hardware in that sense, like commercial hardware-wise, we probably have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm familiar with that stuff kind of secondhand. Um, like I'm aware vicariously of a of through stuff. the memories of rock paper shotgun guys, like talking about it, and that sort of yeah, and, that and sort some of, of the breaks like, that we know that we know with yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I just I never I never even came in contact with the ones that were big in this country, like the Commodore sixty four and the Atari and stuff. The, like that. yeah, Commodore sixty four and Atari ST feel like they were the ones in America that had that. And I mean, yeah. I'm sure those computers and, and the Amiga were and in Amiga, a lot of other places. I never really had, yeah. But the Apple II was the ubiquitous computer in the United States. Like it yeah. was the one that was in yep. every American public school in yep. the 1980s, basically. So everyone just, you know, whatever. That's why everyone knows Oregon Trail and Lemonade yeah. Stand. And then, like, I really liked Apple II shareware because I was oh like, yeah, dark, that's come but, up a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. at my elementary school, our library had an Apple II, and at home we had a borrowed IBM. XT mm-hmm. and so DOS and Mac were ha- the two things yeah. I knew. I have always felt like when hearing people from, uh, like, especially England, talk about their community and their specific computers that like that Japan we had a bunch of those too. Yeah, oh, like, the, ones. like the FM towns. Yeah. Like, I feel like we might have culturally missed out on that because the Apple II and Apple computer was such an institution, and it was an international institution, but its home base yep. and ubiquity was in America. Like, you didn't. It was very rare. To find uh, someone who had a computer at their house who had, and it was an Apple II and had like just the ziplocked floppy disks full of games that they picked up at the store. It was like you got boxed ass commercial software for an Apple II. And it feels, that feels different than like yeah. people who wax nostalgic about Manic Miner or whatever. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, the yeah. UK had a lot of individuals or like a lot of weir- weirdly a lot of brother, like two brothers programming teams yeah. who made a bunch of games and then w- w- ended up sort of founding studios that lasted a surprisingly long time. Yeah. Whereas the equivalent of that in the United States would be indie outfits like id software or something. Yeah. Like there, it was just a different kind of vibe of an indie scene. I was really into that. Like that with my Apple two GS with going to like the local user group and like the guys with beards bringing out just like huge cardboard boxes that were like library archives of floppy disks and playing games and getting utility software from people that I had no idea who they were, but I've never found another person in the United States to whom I can relate <laughs> about that. So I think it yeah. just must be a way smaller and less ubiquitous thing. I, I went to a couple of those that had both. Oh, you went to the computer show. And yeah, 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 I'm talking yeah. about like, this was like a random teacher okay, had a classroom okay. and once uh, like the first I Saturday see. of every month, the same like 50 people would meet and like people would do presentations. Right, okay, and okay, then a guy okay, would show yeah, up with yeah, a bunch yeah, of, yeah, yeah. with like, Look, I found right, this Spy the, Hunter right. clone on a BBS, and I put it on sixteen floppy disks. Uh, I mean, that I'll sell you for a dollar or whatever, yeah, you know, sure. like that that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a cool, it's a really cool legacy. Yeah. I, I would, I, I'm sure people have written like actual sort of books and stuff about it. I'd be interested in reading more, but we didn't have a lot of it over here. In the same way, uh, Daniel says the USS Ruination BAB 00101 has left dry dock under the trusted command of the idle thumbs with the mission to explore strange new worlds with an unexplored horizon before you. What three wild and wacky worlds or two, if Nick is cut short by a one minute klaxon, are first to be explored by the intrepid young crew? What does this mean? I mean, like, like Imagine a Neptune wacky world. or something, or oh no, 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 just if we were on. What was that? No, I guess it's it's if we were on like a Star Trek like show. Yeah, what would you like to to find? I don't even know where to start. What wild and wacky worlds would you want to find, Nick? I don't know. Nick would want to find like a, a normal where... one with people, but the world works in sort of a normal way that seems normal. And, dad, like... Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the one minute klaxon? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to find a world where kids respected their parents. Uh, kids aren't really the problem. 
<laughs> oh no, that's just this. that's just like one step away from what you just said. I want to find a world where everyone's just respectful and the world works. No, I just mean like the systems that we intentionally set up to work. What if they worked? Uh, well, that's not, not a world populated by human beings. No, I want no. to find a world where Twitter is fun again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Whoa! Whoa! God, I really. I, I mean, like Ice World, Whoa. Lava World, oh, yeah. classic worlds. Yeah. Uh, come on, guys! Like everyone, like Big World. Where everyone's big, big, big head like world. From Tom like Hanks big, just like, big head world, I think. No, big world. That's where everyone's a grown up. Boring. No. <laughs> True. A world where dinosaurs rule the earth. I realized the other day that I keep, I realized the other day that I've sort of casually been misusing big as a metaphor because I was thinking of the movie Big, but then I realized I was just thinking of the scene where he plays a big piano. And I was like, oh, that's not a movie about a world where everything's big. It's a movie about no. a kid who becomes an adult. Yeah. And I just, but I, that one scene was so iconic in my brain. It was like a Skeletor effect where I was like, what? you know how people often refer to Skeletor to refer to someone who's sort of emaciated or bony? Oh, but right. Actually, but Skeletor is actually Skeletor, fucking he's ripped. Like super yeah. buff and ripped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I had that for years latently going on with the film Big. Where I'd be like, oh, it's like big, but no, it's not. It's not. That's there's not really. There's very few things that you can compare to the movie Big because that's not a thing that is like applicable to situations. <laughs> so that's my answer. I, I, you can use it when you're like, I wish it was. I, I want this person to learn a valuable lesson through convoluted means. You know, like big. Oh, like big. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like how you learn how to play on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> learn how to play hard and dance soul. around on a piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I want to travel to a world where there's huge pianos. <laughs> it's like everything's the same. Yeah. But all but the pianos yeah, are like really big and you have them. to walk around on them. Yeah, like big. Like they would be big. That would actually have a shockingly huge impact on the world when you think about it. Because the <laughs> piano is... No, it's true. Because the piano is like a foundational instrument that is used as the fundamental <laughs> compositional tool for like most music. Okay, Chris, someone's just going to invent a small piano and then it'll be fine. But they're like... <laughs> well, then what's the point of this world that you've created? Well, I've called this a piano piano. <laughs> oh, nice. That was clever. Um... <laughs> All right, whatever. You guys suck. Evan Parker. I don't know. I guess that also, I assume that the, uh, the big pianos are also fucking loud. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Let's, moving on. Evan Parker That's says- That's what happens in space. Evan Parker says, what's your favorite piece of archaic writing equipment or stationery? I'm partial to wax seals myself. <laughs> I've always wished that I had the training to write- with a quill fountain, fountain pen, quill yeah, pen. fountain yeah. pen. Like yeah. that, it seems so cool. Yeah, like the 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 sort of calligraphy they produce is so yeah. specific and unique and impressive, and does not really seem easily replicatable with modern writing tools. But book. like that's just I obvious. I've never even encountered one of those in real. Life. I mean, I know you can buy them. I really like uh, dot matrix printers and oh, the, dot and, matrix, and the typewriters yeah. that have the big golf ball. Uh, does that oh, count? Yeah. Does that answer this question? Yeah, I think cheats. so. I think so. Man, I remember. I like printers. I like putting things on paper. My uh, my first exposure to a typewriter was like I would go over to my grandmother's house and in her basement she had a t- she's never like had a computer or anything like that and but she had an old typewriter and that was my first ever exposure to a typewriter and I thought it was amazing because it was so novel to me as a child living in mm-hmm. like 1990 or whatever mm-hmm. and I remember I would go down and I would make I would just like make drawings out of asterisks. Yep. I was b- basically replicating a dot matrix printer. Mm-hmm. You're but making ASCII art manually. Yeah, from before I knew what ASCII art was, 
And that was, I would just do that for hours. It was ridiculous. I would make these like really, I mean, I'm sure they were bad, but like very complex Yeah, I mean, it's fun on a typewriter because you can roll it backwards and sort of go yeah. back and add things in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love yeah. that. I also do just wish that I um, knew how to write things well. I used to be My good handwriting is so bad. Yeah. So that's the thing that from archaic uh, old mine. writing that I wish <laughs> is just that uh, the penmanship um, was all that I have wished that I had. Yeah. That, I know. mean, it's understandable. I wish I could read my not, own handwriting. <laughs> it's understandable that it's not really a modern skill because it's not something that people actually need. But it, there is something nice about being able to write well. Yeah. And I, I, that's something that is atrophied. I used to actually take pride in that. And I just don't write ever. I mean, I sometimes ta- I take notes, but I don't like write anything for any other person to look at. So those skills have just right. completely fallen off. Yeah. Um, let's see. Tobjorn Granovic Dahl writes, is it so that unasked questions accumulate over time in such a way that I have a number of them to use how I please? No, it is not so. (laughs) Next. Wow. Nick Kornick asks, could you appease a very small and very specific subset of the Idle Thumbs community and condemn the minion thong? Is this the the? <laughs> Are we supposed to know what this means? Is I don't this care. Like, is, I'll just say that I condemn the minion thong. I mean, I'll condemn yeah. it too if that's what condemned. If that's what does it for you, I would go almost go so far as to <clears throat> call this episode. I condemn the minion thong, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm worried that it means something more than. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell if this is like a specific reference to it's something. Gotta, it's, or... I think it's the minions wear those like uh, jean the the overalls, right? I think there's a product. The minions wear the overalls. The, that's like <laughs> I don't think what I would call this? that a minion. Dad. Thong. Oh no, there is a thong. Oh god. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Jesus Christ. Like you can buy it on like Amazon? No, there's just, it's just, it's just part of Oh, the gross. It's yeah, I'll condemn, I'll condemn that. It's just a minion wearing a thong. Oh, yeah, well, consider it, is con- exactly consider what it condemned. You think it is. I mean, there's also this. Okay. So there's like purchasable but, minion yeah, thongs, but definitely. I think, I think it's just out of, made out of yarn. I mean, all right. There's well, some pretty bad. It doesn't really mi- matter. Hey, heads up, everyone. There's some bad minions shit on the internet, so be careful when you're searching. For I've been told that minion. there are some bad minions. I did not need to be told because I just realized. Uh, yeah, I condemn all this garbage. Yep, it's Fine. all bad. Yep. Consider it condemned. Do you condemn minions in general? I actually don't know really know enough about them to condemn them, but I... I'm pro- very confused by all of this because the Idle Thumbs Forum and the Idle Thumbs Reader Slack have no results for Minion Thong. <laughs> this person, <laughs> so when they say very small on. and very specific, they mean <laughs> very small and very specific. <laughs> J.D. Cohen says, what's the best thief? Your uh, game. Your choices. <laughs> who is the best thief of them all? <laughs> What's the best thief? Your choices are Thief: The Dark Project, Thief Gold, Thief Two: The Metal Age, Thief: Deadly Shadows, The Fourth, or my dad's favorite movie, Thief, nineteen eighty one, directed by Michael Mann and starring James Caan. That one. My dad's other favorite movies yeah. are Used Cars, Waterworld, and Cutthroat Island. Oh no, Waterworld's the I best thief. I have to also add, no. add to that list Clifford, the one where Martin Short plays an evil child in the care of Charles Grodin. <laughs> That question is better than any answer we're going to give. So it I don't know is, what to yeah. do about I that. Mean, yeah. By default, I have to say the original Thief because that's the one I've actually played like a considerable amount of. I never played much of any of them. Hmm. I think Thief Gold is the one I played a lot of, but I've never actually quite been certain what the difference between Thief and Thief Gold is. I assume some better graphics. I'm going to say Clifford. Yeah. Yeah. Clifford's that the actually best isn't a choice. That's just one of his dad's favorite movies. Oh, I, thought right. that, I thought they were all You have to choose game. between Thief... Thief Gold, Thief 2, Thief Deadly Shadows, The Fourth, or Thief the Film by Michael Mann. Well, I'll just back you up then if I can't pick Clifford. All right. Nick? I like Michael Mann, so. Okay. 
Okay, that's, that's fine. Sorted. Stephen Norrie. Also, yeah, Chris, let's just, who is the best thief in the world? God, that's probably a fairly answerable question, right? There's probably some, like, notable I mean, it's probably, thief. it's probably like a hacker if you're being, <laughs> if you're extending it to that definition, but. <laughs> the best thief in the world is a hacker. I mean, he's probably a hacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I assume that's an answerable question, though. Um, but who's like who's like the greatest? Well, in there all was the that land? guy that keep, stole I, all that money. Are you asking this repeatedly as though I'm somehow going to like summon this knowledge to my head? Yeah, I thought, you, I thought you might know about thieves. There was that there was that heist where they stole tens of millions of dollars and no one ever caught them. But I don't think anybody oh, knows. Yeah, who that, nobody knows who that <laughs> was. No, there when? was that who? heist. Where? What? That? There was that heist where they got away. But whoever that is clearly is the best thief because they stole. Where? What did they steal? I think it was a diamond heist. I don't know. Is well, it must not have been that one. interesting. <laughs> they, I think... Look this up and then save it for a future question. That's fine. Nick's, of course, referring to the time when the election was stolen. <laughs> oh, God. The greatest diamond of them all. Democracy. <laughs> Stephen Norrie writes, What's your favorite adventure game puzzle of all time? And conversely, what's the most bullshit? Oh, man. I realized I f- fucked up with this question because when I sort of was just glancing through the questions earlier I thought it said what's your favorite adventure game of all time oh. and I was like oh that's easy I can, I can just answer uh, the question yeah. on the fly but it's actually your favorite, favorite and most bullshit puzzle of all time Yeah, and that really is requires some thought mm-hmm. <sighs> of the three of us Jake is probably the mo- best equipped to answer this quickly my favorite puzzle of all time is uh is probably actually a bad puzzle, but my experience with it was so in line with exactly how mm. it was supposed to work that it was like it was a, a sublime moment, and it was the uh, Tuesday is Kitty Hat Day moment in oh, Grim that's Fandango. Amazing, that's actually an amazing puzzle. Where you puzzle. have yeah. like a f- I'm going to spoil a tiny bit of Grim Fandango. That's Sorry, right. that's fine. there's um, there's a, I think it was almost 20 years old. Isn't I know, that isn't crazy? that crazy? Full Throttle is over 20 years old. Full Throttle is 22. Oh, yeah, 22 years old. Um, there's a there's a photo or there's a there's a cat racetrack and that it works like a horse race or a dog race but the cats are gigantic and you never actually can go out on the track it's not a world in the game but you can be in sort of the betting room and the like high rollers lounge that's connected to it and at a certain point you have to figure out when a specific race happens and you can get the photo finish photos out of the archive and and you get the picture and it's like one cat in front of another barely and you don't know when that happened or when that's supposed to fit in the archive. Man, I can't remember the exact details, but in the background, everyone uh, in the photo, like slightly out of focus, are wearing uh, like cat ear hats, and you hear an announcer in the background ambiently in between calling races just saying, Tuesday is kitty hat day. And when you realize that the they're wearing the goddamn cat hats in the photo, that means that it was on a Tuesday, which then like means blah, 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 blah. And you like, that is one of those puzzles that if you don't make that connection, you're it's just on impossible. It You're I, miserable. Totally yeah. I never but, like, solved it. The myself. timing of that worked out so well for me that like I had had it and I'd walked around. I was a little bit confused and then just went, "Oh my god, Tuesday's Kitty Hat Day!" And yeah. like it felt like the moment in like the noir mystery movie yeah. where you're like Tuesday's Kitty Hat Day. Ah, oh, like all the puzzle pieces just yeah. went into place in my brain and it, like that moment felt very, very, very good. Yes. Um, which isn't necessarily to say that I think it's the most well-designed puzzle, but that was my best, my sort of favorite puzzle moment. Yeah, that's, it is, that is a really clever moment. Yeah. It's so much easier to answer what's the most bullshit because there's so many examples of it. I mean, it's yeah. kind of the, it is the constant challenge and problem <clears throat> of just adventure, traditional adventure games forever, which is that if the thing hits you right, it feels great. I mean, and if it doesn't, there's no system that you can like work yeah. with. You just have to, 
I mean, either figure it out or not. The funny thing is that when I heard that question before Jake had said anything, my mind just flashed to Act Two of Green Fandango uh, <laughs> for the most bullshit because I I love that act for a billion reasons, but I could not when I was when I played it for the first time, I just had a, a resort to a guy because it's so uh, like obtuse. Like, yeah, it's just very difficult. To, yeah, like, yeah. But anyway, game's still really good though. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <sighs> I wish I could think of my favorite. I can't think of a specific one that I love. Yeah. 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 Huh. I well, what's your most bullshit, Jake? My most bullshit? Yeah. Adventure game puzzle? Yeah. I guess I can't say kitty hat day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in... Uh, I mean, the games that the adventure games that I still have completely memorized and have played enough times that I know are all still basically just LucasArts games, and the most bullshit one for me is probably kick the brick when all of the green thing. lights line up in full throttle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Find the brick to kick on just sort yeah, of... Yeah, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of similar <coughs> to the kitty hat thing in the sense that it requires this, like, knowledge that's given to you that you have to sort of logically connect, which is it would have been originally the hole that you're trying to find would have been made by a six-year-old girl, so it's like, what would her, what would her like, height to yeah. kick the thing yeah. be? But, it's, but that, unlike the kitty hat thing... That's a very subjective kind of like guess, as opposed to the kitty hat is like this those, is that those, yeah those puzzles are tough because they they are the ones that like require you to treat the characters like real people and the world like a real place and sort of extrapolate what these things would do the way you're almost as if you are like an actual like investigator but the rest of the systems and the rest of the puzzle structure in those games doesn't work that way right. so yep. like if you could somehow make an entire game that somehow had that level of yeah. like supposition and intuition built into how it worked I think it would be amazing but also <laughs> like so ah, how do you even make that it's impossible it's so hard to imagine um, yeah yeah uh, Michael Sawin writes, with uh, Summer Games Done Quick having just happened, are there any games you would like to learn how to speedrun, assuming you had the free time to dedicate learning it? Are there any speedruns of games that any of you have watched and have really stood out to you? Is an eight-hour speedrun of Final Fantasy VII worth watching? Can 49 hours for the 100% Breath of the Wild speedrun still be considered a speedrun if it takes over two days? Can you try a speedrun of reading this question? <laughs> yes, I can do that last one. Um... With SGDQ having just happened, are there any games you'd like to learn to speedrun? Assuming you have the free time to dedicate learning. Are there speedruns of games you have watched and really stood out to you? Is an 8-hour speedrun of Final Fantasy VII worth watching? Can 49 hours for 100% Breath of the Wild speedrun still be considered a speedrun if it takes over two days? Can you try a speedrun of reading the question? So I did my part. Now you guys have to answer the other questions. Okay. Nick, you really wanted to speedrun Far Cry 2. Yeah. You never really dug into it, but... Uh, yeah. Even, like, at its fastest, the only other person who ever did it completed it in, like, four hours, which to me, like, just even to get up to that point would probably require multiple, like, longer runs of that game, which just means this is not going to happen. It's just too many hours. But I want to see I want to see your best runs, effort, right? though. I would love to see what you I'll Maybe I'll give it a try someday. Uh, the, the Breath of the Wild speedrun, like, any percent category that's just get to the fucking end uh, yeah. was speedrun at this GDQ, and it's actually a really good watch because... Uh, that game doesn't gate you in any real meaningful yeah. way. Yeah, you can just you... run straight into the room. That yeah, yeah in, but right? there are still some very interesting tricks that you have to pull off uh, to sure. do it as quickly as possible. Sure, nice. It's a very, very good run. Um, I need to just finish that game so that I feel yeah. like qualified to watch a speed run of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done in like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, I, I totally believe or it. That's maybe it's a little longer than that actually, but yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, what was I just? I was just gonna say, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um. I was going to ask Jake a question, and then I forgot. Oh, mm. nah, well, whatever. My my main experience doing anything even approaching speedrunning, and it is, 
in no way qualifies for anyone to like Spelunky. watch it. Yeah, Spelunky. We could, and the thing that was so fun about that is I played the daily challenge every day and it was this like perfect environment to sort yeah. of softly work on speedrunning. I obviously wasn't making any legitimate attempt to become one of the world's great speedrunners. Right. That would require just way more time. But because <laughs> I had exactly one run to play every day yeah. and I knew I was going to always do it again the next day, at least I did for you know many months, um, sometimes I would just do a speed run and sometimes I would yeah. be more deliberate about it. But I mean, it, I actually got pretty good at playing that game really fast and it was fun. It was fun to slowly you know, progress in it, you know, I, that game can be completed in, you know, pretty reasonable number of minutes. And I'm certainly not anywhere close to what fast people do, but learning how to just like blaze through that game was really satisfying. There were some good Mario speedruns this year. Uh, my actual answer is, is uh, Dark Souls. Because I watched, oh, yeah, I watched yeah, after yeah. having played Dark Souls 3 all the way through, I watched the Dark Souls 3 speedrun two weeks ago or whatever it was fucking fascinating and it also makes me think that what that guy was doing <laughs> in some ways is easier than actually playing through the game <laughs> like I think Cla- I would that actually is such a classic Nick Brecken I think claim. I would no 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 I don't think I would be like world record beating guy or whatever yeah. but I think I actually would be better at speed running that game I think than you're playing actually it right. legitimately I think because you're probably right one the way the order in which he did it meant that he did a lot of damage every time he hit a boss which meant the boss fights took like 10 seconds and if you screw it up you just start over because it's a blown run or whatever and then the rest of the game is avoiding every other fucking normal enemy in the game which is what I do <laughs> anyway because I don't enjoy yeah. that part of the game, yeah. right? And so, actually, I think I'd be fairly like I think that would actually be somewhat easier for me. Yeah. So that's my real answer. The number of people who are going to post about screaming yeah. at their computers when you're talking about it, not enjoying that part of the game, I mean, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to those. You don't ins- coming enjoy in. the the beauty, um, true purpose. Tom Grundy writes: Is there any future you see in a Netflix style subscription business model for video games? I don't know. Uh, not, I don't think. I, um, we sadly, I, I think it's going to be a per game yeah. situation more likely than than like publishers teaming up and creating a, a massive thing that covers multiple. People have tried know. to do that and hasn't really taken off so far. Oh, I think it's coming. Yeah. Oh, I think. I mean, it's 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 definitely coming. Whether well, or not people will buy. No, buy I it mean, off. what you're saying is is bullshit because it has nothing to do with Netflix. If it's a per game subscription, yeah. yeah, that's not coming. That's been here for like the last five years. No, like, but I think whatever. what Nick is saying is coming is the other ver- the Netflix style of it. What is the Netflix style of one game that you pay for to play? No, he's no, I mean not uh, the one game version. I mean upon a per publisher basis, as opposed. Oh, you're to thinking a, there'll be like opposed to a like Ubisoft and EA. Have, so like, are, like, it's not called Battle.net anymore. But basically, get your Battle.net Plus subscription, yeah. and then it'll unlock. I mean, PlayStation blah. Plus is essentially that now. I mean, you've got like versions of this. PlayStation like, Plus is actually probably the closest thing that we have right now to that. Even though the selection is small, it's at least like pay a yeah. subscription, and you know that in a one month window, there's going to be things that are free on the service yeah. and things that go away. Yeah. Games as a service is not like that is just like the buzzword right now everywhere. Like, oh yeah, it's just for sure. it's yeah. the next but couple as you years said, be, mainly like, in the context of game yeah. by game. So I, in terms of something that like wraps everything together, I don't think that's God, coming anytime soon. It doesn't. People I, keep trying. There's probably it, a version of it that we haven't thought of yet, but the version of it that applies to movies does not seem like no. the one that will work for games. I it think just is like I don't know if that's true. Why? I 
I think. Well, that, I don't know if it's true either. But why I, do you? Well, think I mean, it's like, not? well, we had we had GameFly or not GameFly. Jesus, all these names are the Game same. GameTap. We had GameTap, which tried to do this, <laughs> but I mean, there were a bunch of things that were bad about their service. But the they were in a pre-streaming era, and they tried to do it by way of literally bundling a ton of yeah, emulators and making you client. download the games yeah. and all these things. And there was OnLive, which tried to do this by way of streaming, but the streaming text sucked. I do. Th- I think that there's going to be a world at some point where there is a back catalog of games that you can have instant access to for a cheap rate, but it's not going to be until bandwidth requirements go way like bandwidth cost goes way 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 down. I think that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think for the purpose like of EA has something like that, but I mean, you're, you're talking, you're still talking about oh, something that it's not built like into your TV catalog. and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. And, and maybe at that point no one will care, or it'll just be a stupid novelty. But so I, don't I know. think for the for. In my thinking about this, I am assuming that, I mean, whether or not this is true, I think just like for the purpose of answering this question, I will just assume that bandwidth and latency are can be solved. Like that, mm-hmm. that is just like tech, right. whatever. Well, because yeah. that is conceivably solvable. But what I'm curious, what I'm curious about is let's just say, fine, that's a given. Let's imagine a point yeah. at which that's not an issue at all. Does the model of the of how Netflix work even apply to games? Like people don't binge games. Um. I mean... I, do they? Are you claiming they do? I mean, that's just not behavior that I'm familiar with. People binge individual games, but you don't like the the behavior that has grown and supported services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime streaming and stuff is the ability to just like go through a bunch of huge back catalog stuff and a lot of it, a lot of different ones. And that that's the whole value proposition. Whereas in games, like the equivalent behavior is playing one game a lot for a long, long, long time because mm-hmm. you're really like hooked into it. I think if you, I mean, the PlayStation now is actually probably the closer thing to this right now because it's, it's a streaming, you know, they're streaming games and it's, it's a back catalog, mostly experience. Yeah. Like mostly it's, you're playing things from like previous generation consoles and stuff, but it's just streaming to you. Yeah. The thing that's actually closest to all of this is just YouTube gaming and Twitch as opposed to the games themselves. Right. As yeah, far as how people yeah. consume yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. content. Yeah. Yeah. No, maybe that's all true. Maybe the, I mean the fact yeah. Maybe games games answer to Netflix is a bunch of like single skyscraper games in which you can invest your entire life as opposed to that giant volume of space being filled with 4000 TV shows. It's just like, okay, inside this one is Overwatch and yeah. that's just I mean, all of your gaming like quote unquote binge hours go straight into go straight into that one game and then if like you know if Blizzard can get you into their other one they will but right. for a lot of sort people of it's just like ecosystem, yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> I'm just on this one now yeah I mean Nick to to what you were saying like I think that is what all publishers are trying to do right now yeah they're right it's all games like you said it's all games as a service like everyone wants to be that game that just sucks you in forever and like yep. you know is just lasts for years and years and years and years is absolutely not how like the only equivalent of that in movies is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is you know you're going to get really sucked into this thing that will last for many 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 years and have all this continuity but it's still a bunch of movies there's different. a ton of TV shows like that though there's like long yeah, I guess t- long running TV shows TV is similar even like the most long running TV show like Maybe not like not in the vein of soap operas and stuff, but like several season long TV shows. Yeah, People like, binge those over like a couple weekends. Yeah. Well, then, but I think 
the equivalent might be that HBO really hopes that you keep your HBO subscription just for Game of Thrones, and they're going to keep that game going or that that show going as long as possible because they they're hoping that that will be the case. You know what I mean? Sure. Like as much as there might be other shows on that network, like me, I'm I'm guaranteed that there's a huge percentage of like that subscription base that is just even though they aren't thinking about it all the time, like that's the it's my Game of Thrones subscription, you know? And I, yeah. I bet like it'll be closer to something like that. Yeah, that's. I don't have. I sorry that you saying that maybe try to apply that to like Blizzard or yeah. to any game studio. And I don't know if that directly applies either because why not just charge for the one game? Like if if Game of Thrones had an item store in it, right. HBO wouldn't need the rest yeah. of itself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right sure. now, I mean, Game of Thrones drives HBO Go and HBO Now subscriptions and HBO subscriptions, which they then use to fund the rest of their catalog that they hope can sort of do, the, like, that they will collectively do some ancillary business and maybe they can make a breakout hit the size of Game of Thrones. You could do that as Blizzard without bothering to bundle any of the rest of your games in. You just take the money you make from Overwatch and the money you make from Diablo and that just goes into your bank account and then you use that to make other things. They also demographically, I mean, I think this is like actually the Game of Thrones example is interesting because I think demographically HBO must also just know that while Game of Thrones might be the biggest thing on their network, (coughs) it is also important to have all these other things that appeal to different... Like I, I have an HBO subscription that I've maintained for ever since they introduced the ability to just buy HBO on its own. I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, but I still find it... I'm not saying that's I'm speaking for everyone, but like that's obviously I'm not. But yeah. there's definitely enough on there that I am happy to keep paying for HBO because they're hitting like a broad enough band yeah. of kinds of content. And that that's really different to games. Like one of the things about games that make this difficult is that all the different kinds of games that appeal across the broad demography like different demographies are such radically different kinds of games like they're everything about the way they're presented and like Blizzard's probably the closest run is so different Blizzard's probably still the closest because I mean like I I suspect that in terms of revenue like Warcraft is probably still holding down like a lot of their but but the the range of kinds of experiences and people being marketed to across Blizzard games is so hilariously tiny compared to HBO and like the different kinds of shows that are on HBO yeah Um, it's I mean it's just totally different like there's so few video game publishers that operate with that kind of broad total appeal to as many different kinds of people um, blizzard is the, you say that but blizzard is probably one of the widest reaching ones yeah if you look even, at the people even that, one of the widest reaching ones i think is relatively constrained compared to a mass market targeting like film and television you gotta go i gotta put money in my car nick has to put money in his car how about those wipes, chat? That is a quick... A quick wiping scene rotator is happening right now. The frequency of wipes is reaching critical levels. Look at that wipe. Jake's got some wipes going on. Oh. There's very frequent wipes. Just like constant wiping. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Really? If you like wipes. You, constant wiping is good? Yeah, if you like wipes, then there's a lot of wiping. What the hell happened when I left? <laughs> Jake increased the wipe frequency and turned on wipes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're in wipe mode. We're in wipe mode. We're definitely in wipe mode. I gotcha. Yep. For a second, I thought that was an ad for something that was new. <laughs> like It is, wipes. Like I thought I walked in on an ad for wipes. The most frequent, smoothest, most scene-transitioning way to make your very own online game 
talk show or chat experience. But see, I thought more like wipes. I thought more like baby wipes is what you were describing. Oh, like a wet wipe. Yeah. Quick wipes. Yeah. Whatever you can imagine. Yeah. Where the hell is Jake? I don't know. Jake set up these wipes and then he left. What the hell is he doing? Wiping probably. I I would imagine. I gotta turn off all these good wipes. Remove these wipes. If you want to hit that big old wiper over there. Everything's a wipe to you. Mm-hmm. God, I hate white people. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Resme asks, in Eminem Universe canon, is every red Eminem surly, or is there a specific daddy red Eminem who is surly from which all other red Eminems descend? Um, I mean, for that to be true, you'd have to imagine the surly red Eminem like impregnating another Eminem. Do you? They could bud. Way to go, way to go, lore master. Well, there must be. <laughs> must if be that's true, fucking. if that's true, then uh, you know. Then uh, uh, they might just like there might be like Eminem cell division they could just like sort of yeah that's true they do as a lot of people have pointed out to us they do like wrench each other apart in order to demonstrate the caramel well, within I mean the other the other so question maybe is they maybe they maybe they have to sacrifice an M&M or, or to a then human. be pried open and material from it I mean, will leak and cr- and grow into new m much like cars why why are we not just going with the idea that it's a human encapsulated in like 30 pounds of they're chocolate they're really small no I guess they're not I guess they're they're enormous big. they're human yeah, size yeah it's true actually you're it's right it's just a fucking man hidden so, it, like, like, oh, it's a fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking man hidden inside a candy shell. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, is there an angry daddy? D- d- <laughs> is there, is there is an, an angry is there daddy an angry inside daddy? that candy coated yeah. <laughs> cover? <laughs> yeah. That crisp crumb coating. coating. Yeah. Ah. Um, I don't know. I don't really ever quite understand the sort of implied fiction of characters like these, mm. where it's like, ah, the red one, the the blue one, whatever. But it's like, I buy a thing of M and M's, and there's a fucking dozen, two dozen, three dozen red ones in there. Well, how you know? How, I don't know how many there are, but there's a bunch. Well, there's a daddy. There's a mommy. There's a, <laughs> there's a baby. Dad. There's a there's well, a doggy. Okay, are you confused when you open up your Flintstones vitamins and there's like seventeen Fred <laughs> Flintstones in there? No, you know there's just one. Yeah, but I mean. That in the cartoon, they're all just walking around giant vitamins. <laughs> I mean, but that's the difference, right? In the in the vitamin example, the vitamin is modeled after Fred Flintstone. So, are you claiming that the Eminem characters are actually the like sort of uh, they're just one original of a kind. creations? Yeah, and then the candy we eat are just little candies. Made in the image. Yeah, that's why of those guys can classic af- characters. That's why th- classic characters. That's why those characters can uh, can afford to just live that stupid, their decadent, they boring lifestyle. Their, yeah, their they're li- like their likeness out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why surly red dad Eminem. Yeah, father of all of the other Eminems. Man, yeah, he's he's the shitty dad of they child donate, actors. They donate <laughs> their likeness and their genetic makeup. To the M&M Corporation. Right. And then at the end of the day, though, Daddy Red collects all the paychecks and then tells <laughs> tells all the rest of the M&M family uh, how, uh, how, uh, what to do with their, you know... Their scraps? Yeah, with their, like, their, like, stipend. Wow. What an asshole this guy is. It's those red M&Ms, man. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we watch those commercials. It seems like kind of a piece of shit. It's a douche. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Coral writes... A friend said he saw a video of Nick and Janelle where they said they should dress up as Miles and Kiko O'Brien. <laughs> Who's that? 
What is this? What is this? This must be from a stream. Yeah, I remember this now. Janelle, Janelle thought it would be hilarious. From Star Trek. The yeah, Next somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody suggested Wait, it's it. From two different, one of them. I think it was. No, he I think I was. Go. I was attempting to do an Irish accent. I think on the stream, and and it sort of spiraled out of there because I cannot do. That's an, an Irish, Irish character. Accent. Yeah, but I am Irish, but I can't do an Irish accent, or right. I have some Irish lineage. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, this person continues. This is the best character for Nick ever, with the blend of optimism and pessimism, and the downtrodden from life's hard kicks. My question is, which Star Trek The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine characters should you two be? And if you can say without risking friends, how about the other thumbs not here? I don't, I not really have, I haven't really seen these shows to the point that I could. We're just going to have to declare that Sean is Commander Riker for sure, because that's really <laughs> oh, funny to me. Yeah, He's okay. not, they have nothing yeah. really in common, but I just want to imagine it's Sean Vanneman sitting down in a chair right. that way all the time. Yeah, no, that okay. is actually, I could see Sean doing that part pretty, yeah. pretty easily. Beard, no beard. Where are we going with that? Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's Sean. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who Steve would be. The kid? <laughs> Steve is <laughs> Will nice. Wheaton? Steve is not Will Wheaton. I don't know. I no. don't know these shows. No. You guys are gonna have to take this one. No. There's nobody like Steve in the Star Trek universe, I don't think. What about what about the guy with the weird hat who shows up on a screen and like torments people like some kind of like uh, You're genie. referring to Q, oh, Q, I think? Yeah. I don't know if Steve is Q. No, Steve is not Q. No. Nels might be. No. Maybe. No. No. No? Well, you, if you guys are just going to say no one's like, it's true, no okay, one is you know actually what? Fine, present Chris. in the world. I'm the guy who shows I... up in the next generation and claims that I'm a time traveler from the future, <laughs> uh, but then it later turns out that I'm just kind of a schlubby idiot who accidentally walked into someone else's time machine from like the year like 2100. I'm just a, a is Huck- that Q? Is that what he does? No, no, that's just a oh, random Huckster yeah. who's in a one-off episode oh, of the Next Generation. Yeah, okay. I'll be that sure. guy. I think yeah. he's played by the like neighbor dad from the Home Alone movies as well, or something like mm. that. Anyway, he's a good, 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 good episode. Huh. Yeah. Chat says Steve is Q. I don't f- track that at no, all. No, I don't track that at all. That doesn't. All right. Sense. That, that's that's absolutely nonsense. <laughs> but I can't think of any other good comparisons. It's a tough one. So you're sticking with Miles. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. That's just, that's, are that's Miles fine. and Kiko O'Brien are they a married couple? Yes. They have the same last name. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's move on. <laughs> but who's Chris? We'll never know. I don't know. I don't know who you Chris guys is. Guys have to tell me. Um, Connor Angeloni writes: What are the traditional foods of Hoistmas? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think I think probably banana peels. Uh, <laughs> Like coconut pot cream pies. Right. Um, yeah. That's actually really good. I think maybe the, like, the official foods of Hoistmas should be things that, if they come together, <laughs> are going to be delicious, but they're going to, they're so hard get to mixed. get right, they're going to fuck up. Oh, okay. Like that's a souffle. A, that's, a, that's a good way to go. Yeah, like the f- official food of Hoistmas is a souffle. Just like, and just, yeah, damn, fart noise. Yeah. yeah. Like, hoisted like what is it? What is a cooking experience that will hoist you? Right. Yeah. I was thinking, this that's that's good. That's kind of similar to the thing I had in mind, but mine is more sort of mischievous i guess which is you could it you could almost not it the food itself is variable and it's like you just sneak a fucking rock into the middle of Ooh, some Jesus. one of your hoistmas okay, like but meals or desserts the, but no one knows what it's going to be and someone gets totally hoisted okay the mm. the rule of of that then though 
Uh, it would have to be a very specific, like the hoistmas stone. But the thing is, you'd have to somehow orchestrate it so, so that no matter what, it. it is, it's in your food. Like you, yeah, <laughs> no, it has to be. You hoisting can't, is you a cell phone. Try as you might to plant yeah. it in someone hoisting else's food. Hoisting is a food. cell phone. Someone sort of just casually switches yeah. your plates because you're like, oh, I'm just walking over to this side of the room. Yeah, yeah, and you get totally hoisted. Yeah, yep. the spirit of hoist of Lord Hoistmas ensures yes that your efforts will always. Yeah, no, that's like it's like baking the. Uh, is it the little like? Jesus or something there's like a little figurine that you bake in a cake in some cultures that like then if you get the if you get that one it's lucky yes but this it would have to be that yeah you'd always everyone would have to kind of play act that you've re-engineered it so that the cook always ends up getting the rock and then everyone goes oh you got hoisted Lord hoistmas was here and like yeah. but, oh you know, I think it's, like it's a, much better if that just ends up happening oh, but it's gonna be a through the machinations hoist, of the holiday hoistmas isn't real so it would have to become a tradition that all the kids play where it's fun to like watch dad get hoisted by like you know like you cut in the cake and uh-huh. like chomp and pretend that you chomped on a rock and all the kids uh-huh. love it and you're also teaching them really good lessons about the reality of life <laughs> a culture that internalizes hoistmas is a very interesting culture that is I true think. that is a very interesting or they're like ah ha ha you tried to fool us Succeed, but, but you failed but like yeah the <laughs> You got you got owned. You got you failed in a really interesting way that <laughs> totally gives you all the comeuppance you deserve for your presumptuousness. <laughs> Always, I believe the lesson of hoistmas is one that all sh- all should learn. I think it is would be helpful. I mean, it's basically just like right intrinsic now. comedic hubris, like yeah. learning to learning to deal with yeah with it. with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I think the world could use a good dose of hoistmas these days. The hoistmas <laughs> spirit. Yeah, why do, why do people keep saying they sh- <laughs> our culture is corrupted now that we say happy holidays instead of merry hoistmas? <laughs> the war on hoistmas. <laughs> the true spirit of, of humility in the face of, of hoisting yeah. uh, is, is gone. Adam Rain says, are there any episodes of other podcasts in the Idle Thumbs network that you would particularly recommend readers listen to? For instance, I've been going back through Three Moves Ahead's back catalog and found their episodes on chess in 2016 to be a fascinating look into online communities surrounding chess that I never knew existed. Something true is accepted from this question, as all episodes of that show should be mandatory listening. True. Yeah, that is true. That is something true. Probably some good designer notes episodes. That designer notes and Tone Control, which are the two developers interviewing, interviewing developer podcasts. I- the best I I don't I can't call a specific standout episode yeah. of those in part because I haven't listened to all of them all the way through. But if I'm ever in the mood to listen to that style of podcast, going back and just finding someone whose work I'm interested in and listening to their episode is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think if you're interested in video game, this nuts and bolts of video game development, um, yeah, design, designer notes and tone control. Just browse through those archives, yep. and you'll certainly find. I mean, at this point, though, between the two of them, those shows have such big rosters of people they've interviewed it's kind of crazy to the point that they just over they just sort of had a collision recently yeah where steve was on designer notes steve host of tone control was on designer notes being interviewed um it's a part one and it's two hours long i haven't listened to it yet um i really liked the um the designer notes fairly recently a few months ago with uh amy hennig who uh, was the creative director on Uncharted for the first uh, three? The first three, and now is working on a huge ass Star Wars game. But it goes all the way back to her, her early career with Crystal Dynamics, working on um, like Legacy of Kane and stuff. And it's really, it's really interesting. Nice, yeah. Listen to our TV show podcast if you like any of the shows, like Twin Peaks. Oh, anyway. you should totally listen to the episode of Twin Peaks Rewatch where we talk about the uh, season two episode dispute between brothers. <laughs> Okay. No, that episode I, I don't don't ignore what I just said. <laughs> okay. 
Um, the third episode of True Detective Weekly was really... No, okay, sorry. Uh, Brian Brannon says, as the postcard story has gotten very interesting and is filled with in-jokes based on previous episodes, I wonder what the plans are with the postcards going forward. Are you willing to share any info on what's next after this story and whether the mural on the front will keep going? Also, it would be great to have more people in the Slack postcard conspiracy chat and more cards shared so we can all enjoy the full story. Um, the plans going forward, I mean, Nick, you are the one writing the stories themselves, mm. so you might have more to say about the plans going forward but uh the i mean we've kind of been thinking of it as like a year is that still what you're yeah. thinking of yeah 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 no i think season it, one there will be a, yeah there will be a year year's worth of that story and then i think it'll maybe spiral off into something else yeah but it might still be related secretly just to be annoying yep. Yep. we're, we're really thing, yeah to, uh, to clarify if the, for those who don't know this is the these are the monthly postcards we send out to um, people backing at certain levels in our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. And we are, I really apologize for this. We are running late with the July postcards. This is a crazy one that it has like nine different branches. Yep. Is that right, Nick? Yeah. So it is a fairly uh, intense month. There's nine different story variants. Um, but yeah. They're it's, being printed right now though. They are so. They are being printed. So they will be going out fairly soon. Um and as the person in this mentioned, there is an dis- ongoing discussion of the postcards story in the Idle Thumbs Reader Slack, which you can uh, get access to by going to the Idle Forums and going to Idle Banter, and there's a thread about it, and you can request access and stuff. And there's a channel in it for discussing the postcards. So people are doing that. Um, I don't know how else really, what else really to specifically answer about this, but we're doing it more, and it's really fun. It's a really weird, fun thing to work on. As for whether or not the front will continue to expand, it is my hope that it does, but I haven't... I came up with a big 12-month plan for the front of those postcards, and I'm already starting to slightly violate it, so I don't know what the actual end game for those is. Mm. What do you What do you mean? I mean, like, I realized the, the way that I'd mapped it out, it was sort of this, like, disgusting snake, and I'm now trying to bring some of the later months in to make it more of a cohesive oh, shape sure. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Postcards. Cool. All right, Tanner Huggins asks... What podcast do you guys listen to on a regular basis? God, oh, I just started listening to, I, on a regular basis, I, I've changed up my podcast listening a lot lately, but I've started listening to the podcast You Must Remember This, which oh, is a bunch too. of stories from old Hollywood, and it's great. Yeah, I like it a lot. I've also been listening to that. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Oh, I listen nice. to Twin Peaks Rewatch. Yeah. I actually <laughs> I actually do usually end up listening all the way through that stupid podcast after we record it, so I, I have no good answer, Chris. All right, fair enough. What podcast do I love? That's what I was asking you. Yeah, I went through a phase where I listened to basically every Gimlet podcast, and I've dropped most of them. I used to listen to a ton of Slate podcasts. I don't listen to most of those anymore. So, like, uh, I don't know, podcasts. <laughs> You're being really adversarial in this question. I don't really understand. Because I feel why. like I should have a good answer, and I don't. Uh, yeah. Um, I listen to – yeah, I've started listening uh, also to You Must Remember This recently, and I really, I really like it a lot. I've listened to a lot of it. Um, I've been listening. I was listening to Criminal, which I, I don't know if you still listen to, but mm-hmm. I first learned about that from you, um, which is really cool. That's it's a, a Radiotopia show, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a show about crimes, but not in a sort of true crime or serial like sense. It's a it's a lot of the crimes are sort of it'll be from the victim's perspective or from the person who who committed the crime, but it's like 
only technically a crime or it's like a weird version of a particular crime. It's hard to mm-hmm. explain, but it's just there are stories about crimes from a very un- from unusual angles, not from a like whodunit kind of angle. Yep. And it's really good. Um, I also listen to a shitload of British politics podcasts, which is ridiculous, but I listen to a lot of them. Uh, and it's it's it would be absurd to list them all because it would be boring. Um, I listen to Planet Money, which is a really good, just like 20 minute long podcast about economics. Uh, it's a like very bite sized. Um, I want to hear what Nick listens to. Yeah, I Nick. Don't listen to Nick doesn't listen to podcasts. Oh, there. I mean, I've occasionally listened to episodes of all that stuff, but not, nothing really. Get up on that mic. I don't listen to podcasts. I hate them. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Man, this podcast is, you guys are being weird on this, at this point. Yeah. Reggie Clark says, if you were really a robot, would you want to know? Oh, right. We answered this podcast. Oh, we already answered that one. On Important If True. Go back and listen to Important If True 24. Yeah, nice. For the answer to this question. Timothy A. Rose asks, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Both. I've never liked peanut butter. Okay, there we go. Next. Yeah. As a kid, that was like actually really <laughs> a weirdly annoying thing because so much of what you're given is peanut butter. Um, Alex Schroeder says, I'm feeling a severe something true withdrawal. So while we continue waiting for a second season, could you please tell us something true? The more obscure and or stupid, the better. I have an answer to this that I learned within the last hour that also serves as an example mm-hmm. of your favorite thief. What? A man named Vincenzo Perugia was was a uh, an employee, a museum employee at the Louvre, and in 1911 he hid inside the museum over the weekend. When it was closed, he just took the Mona Lisa, put it under a like painter's smock, and just left. He just took it and walked out of the museum nice. and just kept it in his apartment for years. He just had the Mona Lisa Did in his apartment. Did he replace it? He uh, tried to sell it to a gallery owner in Italy, and they were like, um, you're arrested now. And that was it. Like, you could <laughs> have gotten away with it forever or for quite a long time. If he just kept it. If he just kept it. And then he died, and so like, well, Dad had the Mona Lisa in his house. <laughs> I guess I found out. Yeah. I've gone to clean it out. Jeez. Huh. So that's something true that is also one of history's greatest thieves for like a little for like a second nice yeah he wasn't a career thief he just did that and he did it he succeeded good job and then he hoisted he fucking hoisted himself it's a good answer none of us are gonna have a good i'll do all three of us need him i don't know all right well thanks for joining us on (laughs) (laughs) what do you want me to do i mean that was it that was so quick i don't know i mean i didn't know that was the only that was the last question yeah oh nick you put a lot of money in that meter for nothing yeah, you could have just, just done it. True. We could have just done it. Something true. <laughs> There's no Jake's better. Favorite, oh, I got something. The, Jake's favorite puzzle in Grim Fandango, the the cat the cat race puzzle that uh-huh. we just talked about. Yeah, the script for that race is running when that when that race starts. The script for that race in the game engine is running from that point on to the end of the game, and it's really? never it never stops running in the background. Yeah, I learned that in the uh, commentary. It cracked me up. Huh. Yeah, you mean the is guy that, saying is Tuesday is Kitty Hat Day is just like muted but always on in the background? Well, yeah, like Red's in the lead or whatever. Like that's just always happening forever. Wow, is that a yeah. bug? Does that yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huh. yeah, it was just funny to me. Anyway, there you go. Did you already you know got that? Or something. Did you, did you know that when we were talking about it? Or did you learn that since? No, I, I knew that. Nick went out of the room and he actually watched the entire Grim Pen Mango <laughs> director's commentary. <laughs> yeah. Huh. All right. Cool. 
That was something true. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know anything that's true. I know. Um, thanks for joining us for this ruination cast. Whether God, you truly ruined this week, it was tr- definitely highly ruined. Thank you for helping um, us ruin it, but we we ruined it ourselves. We don't, we don't, we never need any help. Hoisted. Definitely hoisted. Um, thanks for watching, whether or watching or listening, whether on Twitch, YouTube, or the Idle Thumbs podcast feed. Uh, if you would like to become an asker of questions to these feeds, you can do so via our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode of uh, regular idle thumbs. You can enjoy that. For idle thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Thanks for ruining it with us. Oh, don't mention it, Chris. Thanks Ever again. Us. Goodbye.